Welcome to Elan Restoration Fellowship, where Jesus is King, HaMelech, Lord, Hashem, and Messiah, Mashiach. And now, Pastor Billy Elias. I, think I, I don't know if it was recorded that I said that I had never preached anything on Revelation. I've pulled scriptures out of Revelation, but I never actually sat down and did a study. And I think that's because I was afraid. Okay, because, um, you know, somebody was saying earlier that oh, I'm not afraid to die because I know where I'm going. Well, I'm that guy that is afraid to die. I'm not going to lie to you. I am that guy that is afraid to die. And I am that guy that's like, oh, man, I don't want to be around for all of this. I am that guy. And for me to sit here and pretend that I'm not would not be truthful. So I think that's part of it. And as we start looking at John's vision and the clarity that God gave to Yeshua, who gave it to Malachi, who gave it to, or Hamaliki, who gave it to Yohanan, um, we start to see, and I think, you know, as we've talked about, this is more, as much about clarity than it is about revealing something new. Right, because in Hebrew, revelation, kazon, means vision. So this is something that John saw. And as we're going to see, he was commanded to write it down, but for a specific reason. And last week, we talked about the Hebrew letter Aleph being the first Hebrew letter of the Aleph Bet, or the Aleph Base, as it would be called. And it was the foundation. It was the building blocks. It was everything. I'm not going to go back into it because um, we really treated it. But if you want to go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, this is where things start going wrong because the book is often studied out of English and Greek. It's rarely studied out of Hebrew up until recently. And that just does the whole entire message a disservice. We spoke about that last week, the importance of understanding the building blocks from the Aleph to the Tau. The importance of understanding that the Aleph and the Tau is the abbreviation for the alphabet and that Jesus in Matthew 5, 17 and 18 actually said, if you remember, not a Yod or a Mark will go, um, a Yod or a Stroke, and he actually spelled out the Hebrew letter Aleph um, so you saw that last week, and that apparently was very mind-blowing for a lot of people because I did get a lot of text messages and comments about, wow, I never, ever, ever would have even put that together. So um, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, and you'll see it's from Yohanan. To the seven messianic communities in the province of Asia. Grace and shalom to you from the one who is, who was, and who is coming from the sevenfold spirit before his throne. So we need to immediately start to look at certain things when it comes to studying, especially in Hebrew. Hebrew does not have exclamation points and there's no punctuation. Okay, so when you read it, you have to understand it. 
But when you see redundancy, God built that in for a reason. As we look at this, like I said, you're going to find that there's seven spirits. And I'm sorry, the United States is not one of the spirits. Okay. And I'm also sorry, the United States is not mentioned. I know there's a lot of people that think that and they use the eagle that shows up in whatever chapter it is, because that's one of the spirits of God. Um, I'm sorry to burst the bubble, but the you we North America, Central America, um, South America was not even a known entity at the time John had his vision. We are not mentioned. Where it started is where it's going to finish. And it started in the Middle East, down by in Africa. That's where people believe it. And that's where it's going to end. It's going to start with Israel's original borders that God laid out when he said to Abram, go take a walk. And everywhere you go will be the border. And that's where it's going to end. That must have been one heck of a walk. Mm-hmm. If you think about it. How many weeks? Uh, weeks? I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I hope he had like a horse or something. But anyway, there's a lot of seven. Seven spirits. Seven assemblies. Seven stars. Seven menorahs. Seven, 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 seven. We talked about the seventh letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is the Zion, when we were talking about Shabbat as the seventh day. But we're not talking about that tonight. Tonight, I want to focus on the menorah, the stars, and the angels, because this, again, is where everything starts to go awry. We're going to begin at what is known as Yom Adon, or the day of the Lord in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. Okay, so we already see that in verse four, Yohanan is told that this message is to be given to the seven messianic communities in the province of Asia. And one of the things that you have to understand is the seven churches were located in what is modern day Turkey and they weren't churches. The word church didn't exist for another, I don't even know how many years. They were assemblies and they were messianic congregations. They were messianic assemblies because there was no such thing as the church. They were known as the messianic assemblies. In fact, in Hebrew, as we're going to see, the one the word literally says the assemblies here. That's what it actually says. Um, so we're going to focus on the rabbi for a minute, Rabbi Yohanan John, and what God gave him as an assignment. And the first thing that I think is very important is he writes in verse in chapter one, verse ten. I came, I came to be in the spirit on the day of the Lord, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Now. The spiritually minded will tell you that he was taken up and saw the second coming. That is incorrect. He was in the spirit on the Yom, um, um, Yom Adon 
which the Jews often refer to as Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It is one of the names. There's no real way that we could say it was one or the other, but what we can tell you, it wasn't a Tuesday afternoon, or he just wasn't hanging out like certain denominations will have you think, and all of a sudden God took him up. No, he was being an observant, Torah-observant Jew. It was during the feast day of Rosh Hashanah. And it says he was in the spirit. It means he was still on earth, but he God came through the angel. Now, that's the thing we have to understand here. Remember the pecking order from uh, when we talked about from chapter 1, verse 1 of Revelation. God spoke to Jesus, who then spoke to who? An angel. And it was the angel that went to John. It was the angel that opened John's eyes up so he can see. John was not taken from the planet Earth and brought to heaven. It was an angel of the Lord that opened up his eyes so he can see clearly what is coming. And he says, I came to be in the spirit of the day of the Lord, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And so when we look at this, and I'm going to read it in Hebrew, and, I, and I'm going to explain to you why, because we're going to look at how it's termed in Hebrew and what it exactly means when we literally translate it. Okay, it's Evet Ali Ruach Adon Vishema Askari Kol Gadol Kekol Shofar. Okay, so in Hebrew, I came to be in the spirit on the day of the Lord, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Now, what we have to understand um, is he hears a great voice. The word in Hebrew is gadol. We say loud, but it was more than loud. God's not loud. You follow what I'm saying? God is gentle. He's quiet. He's not going to battle to become the prominent voice in your head. That's where your discipline of the flesh takes over. That's what the relationship is. So we have to understand that it was a great voice. This changes it. It's not loud. It's great. So this great voice spoke. And he heard this great voice, which sounded like the trumpet. And that great voice, like a trumpet, is designed to do one thing. It's to wake you up. When you hear the trumpet sounding, it's there's only one purpose. To wake you up. When the great trumpet sounds, he's going to wake up the believers in Messiah from the dead. And those walking the earth... They will be awakened to the Spirit. So we know it's the Lord's Day, um, which is the day of the ingathering and the second coming. They're kind of they're kind of intertwined here. Um, and it's the celebration, if you remember, which is so important, because he goes into the Spirit on Rosh Hashanah, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, right? The, the day of the Lord. 
because it's a celebration to what? The gates to heaven opening and closing. Hmm. Is this clarifying something right now? So for all of those that want to say it was just a day, I mean, it wasn't, it was a Shabbat for sure, but it wasn't a Shabbat like on a Friday. We don't know if it was a Friday Shabbat. A lot of times if it was a Friday Shabbat, we would have been told that in the way the word was written. But what we do know is it was a Shabbat because it was a feast day being celebrated on earth. So we have to remember that it is the beginning and the end. Right now, what John is about to see is the beginning and the end of the final reckoning of God and mankind. So he's being prepared. Now, if you notice, he hears the voice from where? Behind him. Because when he's brought up in the spirit, not leaving the earth, when his spirit is awakened to see what he's seeing, he's just kind of focused on what is in front of him. Okay? Now, if you go to Joel chapter 2, verse 1, and I absolutely love Joel chapter 2. I mean, for me, Joel chapter 2 kind of just is the it's the prequel summary of the book of Revelation. He basically gives, I don't know if anybody even going to, I know people at this table remember, but young people won't. Cliff Notes, remember those? Mm -hmm. He gives the Cliff Notes version. Okay, it's the cheat sheet before the sheet was written. All right? So Joel chapter 2 verse 1 says, blow the shofar in, blow the shofar in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain, let all living in the land do what? Tremble. Tremble, why? For the day of the Lord is coming, it is upon us. So when John is brought up and he hears the voice, he realizes because he's a Torah observant Jew. He knows I've just been brought to see what the reckoning is going to look like. And it's just begun. And I want you to understand the end days began the second Jesus not only was resurrected, but he ascended to heaven. That's when the last days began. That's why I get so irked when you hear these. Oh, I almost said it. A bad word. When you hear these people say God is coming on a Tuesday afternoon in April. Oh, he's coming on a Friday in August. Man. So what's happening here in Joel chapter 2 verse 1, what John is about to see is as much of a warning as it is clarification. As a Torah observant Jew on Rosh Hashanah, God being able to speak to him the way he did, John is now, like I said last week, and it's important, it's clarification. He knows, he knows Torah. He knew Messiah. He knew exactly who he was. He may have chickened out and went running for the hills when, when Messiah was arrested, but he still knew. And John's vision, this is great because I love this, because John's vision is the beginning of the fulfillment of the prophet Joel's vision when he delivered it to Israel. Because in the mouths of two or three, 
a matter is established. Now, not to say that Jesus or, or, or Hashem throughout the entire Old Testament hasn't told us everything about the second coming. And I want this to be another, this usually knocks people over. The idea of the second coming is a Jewish ideology. It's written about in Psalms. It's written about throughout the entire Old Testament. We think it's a Christian theology. My goodness, how arrogant, how arrogant. It's not a Christian theology. This is as Jewish a theology as there is. So we have to understand what's happening here is first Joel and now Yohanan is having the vision of what's going to happen on the great Rosh Hashanah. Okay. So John is tasked with taking what he's about to see and bringing it to the seven messianic congregations, right? Or the, right, assembly. The Hebrew, the Hebrew word there actually means assembly, okay? So his job is to go to these seven churches. Now, I want everybody to understand something. These aren't specific church buildings. They're not a specific congregation, okay? These are the entirety of all believers in that particular region. Okay, so if you looked at Asia Minor at the time, those seven churches are kind of close. Today, you could actually visit them all in one day in a car. So we have to understand that this was a region. And God was saying, in this region, I have done something. I've put seven assemblies together for the sole purpose of carrying my word. Each of these seven churches now has a distinction and a different purpose and function within the Roman Empire because each one has a different influence on the trade routes. And the best way to carry the word is on the trade routes because when you look at the very beginning, it says, John says, blessed are you who hear and or read the words of this vision, which means it wasn't intended to stay in Turkey. And it wasn't intended for a specific sect of people that were going to go and tuck it away and become so arrogant as to say, we are the worldwide church when we aren't even remotely close. If we look at the map, John is on what island? Patmos. And you'll see that I have circled seven messianic assemblies. Look at how close they are. And then if I was to draw a line for those seven churches, look at where Patmos is. Tiny, small, little island in the Mediterranean Sea between Turkey and Greece. You know why that tiny little island in the Mediterranean Sea stuck between Turkey and Greece? Because that was going to be the launching point for God's campaign. If you think of it in warring terms, which is exactly what the book of Revelation is, 
This is the launching point for the greatest spiritual military campaign that anyone ever will ever see. Okay, so we have to understand at this point that God is about to give the battle plan to John to write it down so that when we get it, we are going to read it, we are going to hear it, and we are going to believe it so that we can be blessed with knowing what the enemy's going to do, how he's going to do it, why he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, and what his end game is. But what did we do? We fumbled the book. We didn't believe the book. We don't believe the book. We fight about adding and subtracting. We decide, you know what, we don't need that anymore. We're just going to throw it out. So we have to understand what Yohanan is seeing right now is paramount because it's God's battle plan. And I love it because all of a sudden, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 12, it gets really Jewish, doesn't it? I turned around to see who was speaking to me, and when I turned, oh, I saw seven gold menorahs. Now, there is no denying it's Jewish. You can't get away from it. You can't turn your back on it. You can change the name to lampstands because you don't want to call it what it is. Where is the menorah located when we look at the tent of meeting or eventually in the great temple? The holy place. The inner sanctum. And what did it do in the holy place? It gave light to the priests to fulfill the obligation, the Kohanim, of going in and putting out the table of showbread, keeping the altar of incense lit, and continually changing the oil so that the menorah would stay lit 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was by special design that these things came into being. John sees seven golden menorahs and later says, and in their midst was one like the son of God. When you see that word like, that's added. It wasn't like, it was the son of God. That's what they were seeing. So he says, I turned around to see who was speaking to me and when I had turned, I saw seven gold Menorahs. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, Jesus tells us that each menorah is what? One of the seven messianic communities named in verse 11. This is when you, 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 you there's no denying, and when you see the connection here, it's, it's almost humbling. And then in Revelation 1 16, we read that in Jesus' right hand, he had what? Seven stars. And again, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, Jesus tells us that the stars are the angels assigned to the seven messianic assemblies named in verse 11. 
So those seven, and you have it on your map, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Theatria, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Okay? Those are your seven communities. God chose seven. Now, I want you to, let's look at who he didn't choose. Pastor Billy will continue his message in just a moment. If you would like more information about sermon series, books, and other study materials, you can call us at 732-314-1956. Or you can email us at elanrestoration at gmail.com. You can visit us on Facebook for Shabbat and service times. And now we conclude today's message with Pastor Billy. He didn't choose a church. In Jerusalem. He didn't choose a messianic synagogue in Jerusalem. He didn't even choose one in Israel. He didn't choose one anywhere where you thought he would have chosen one. He chose seven cities in Turkey. Seven cities in Turkey that were on the Mediterranean and had better access to trade routes than did Israel. And then what he did is assigned each one of those churches a menorah, and then he assigned them each an angel. Why? Well, let's talk about who those congregations were made up of. Who headed up those messianic assemblies? Jews. Torah observant Jews. There was a lot of Gentiles in there. We're not saying that, but Torah observant Jews. So when God says to John, take this message and give it to, and literally in Hebrew, the assemblies here, that's what it says. There's only seven within reach of Patmos. It's a proximity. We, we don't have to overcomplicate this. They were there because they were close proximity. You've been listening to Pastor Billy Elias. Pastor Billy is the founder and pastor of Elon Restoration Fellowship in Toms River, New Jersey. Join us again as Pastor Billy bridges the gap between the Old and New Covenants. And as always, may the Lord bless you with peace. Down to my